Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I have Nina Minolson back on. She is a body peace coach, and she has a master's in clinical mental health counseling and psychology. And boy, is she doing some great work out there for women of multiple generations. And I say this because for a long time, I have suffered with this counting calories, macros, dialing it into a T in terms of my weight. And while I've seen some results, in other cases, I haven't. And the older I get, the more confusing it gets. And I'm sure that I am not alone. To the point where in my office, I just stopped working on these kind of things and turned it over to the Lumen device to help me as I learned about my emotions and how They were connected to my eating patterns. So I've had Nina on before, and if you listened to her before, she's fabulous. And in this one, we're going to really talk about listening to your body and helping it open up to more sensual good feelings and really practicing how you feel before or or understanding how you feel before you reach for food. And so we're going to dive into it here, and there's a lot of good nuggets. So if you are sick and tired of trying to figure out the right diet for you. Nothing seems to work so well. It's time to go inward and Nina's going to help us out. So let's jump into the podcast. Hey, Health Junkies. I have Nina Manelson on again. And boy, are we going to be talking about some fun stuff again today. Last time she was on, we were talking about that feminine energy and, and feeling comfortable in your body, but we didn't dive into that comfortableness enough. I wanted to bring it back a little bit more. Plus, I've been on this journey to kind of figure out my whole relationship with food and, and that kind of thing and feeling comfortable and confident in my body as well. And since last time Nina and I talked, I've been doing a lot of EFT tapping. I've been doing a lot of like exploration of emotions and my connection with emotions and eating. And I've I've come to some interesting conclusions. So I think we'll get to that. But hey, everybody, I just want you to say hello once again and welcome to Nina Minnells. Thank you, Janine. I am delighted to be here and I can't wait to hear about your process. Sounds yeah. Very um, sort of deep and nourishing and juicy. Yes. You know, it's been one of those things since we talked last, of course, you know, a lot of the folks I interview, little bugs end up in my head about certain things. And of course, our last Mm -hmm. conversation was really, you know, important to me because it is was something I was actively struggling with is trying to feel comfortable in my own skin. And lately, it's it's been where I've been feeling better and better each day Mm -hmm. and exploring more. And, and one of the big things, and I think you probably see this a lot with folks, is our, our feelings in our skin and how we feel and, and feel home in our body versus yep. not home in our body have a lot to do with our emotions that we have at any given moment. Yes. So there's um, there's a French saying, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, je me sens bien dans ma peau, it means I feel good in my skin. And I grew up in Montreal. I live in Boston now, but I grew up in Montreal. And um, I would hear that phrase and I was like, I have no idea what they mean because I didn't feel good in my own skin. And a huge part of feeling at home in our own skin is actually getting comfortable with discomfort because the reality is being a human being with feelings, emotions, 
pain, physical pain, emotional pain, with the ups and downs of how life goes, it's not a super cushy journey. It just isn't. I don't know anybody, anybody who just like sails through life and it may look that way on the outside and we may do the compare and despair. Oh, see, they, they do it so easily. They feel so at home in their body. They, you know, have all the things. It's so easy for them. But I have worked with women for over 30 years. I have never, ever met anyone who's like, yeah, life has been just like a party at the beach the whole time. That's just not how we roll as humans. And so a huge part of our work of feeling at home in our body is being able to tolerate the discomfort mm-hmm. of emotions. Mm-hmm. And many of us grew up, whether it was a in a we were a child of an alcoholic or we were a child of a parent who was not well. And so all the attention went on them or we were the child of a narcissistic parent. Any family system where some one person became the center of the emotional experience leaves everyone else, mostly the kids, with I'm, I don't have feelings because I need to modulate myself and regulate myself in terms, in, in terms of keeping that other person stable. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to be just like steady. I don't have any feelings. Let me make sure I don't rock the boat because the person who's not well or the person who's alcoholic or the person who has that addiction or the person who is narcissistic or the person who's a rageaholic or whatever the heck their issue is, (laughs) they we can't rock the boat because we don't want their feelings to be out of control. Because then everybody is destabilized. And so what we learn is to turn the volume down on our emotions, on our feelings. And I remember, and I really relate to what you're saying, Janine, when I started my work, I grew up in an alcoholic home. When I started my work, and this was years ago, and there was an incredible book called Codependent No More by uh, Melody Beattie. And I remember opening it up. And on one of the first pages was this list of feelings. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I think I was like, I don't know, like, late teens, early twenties. And I was like, oh, you're allowed to have these feelings. Like disappointment isn't like a personal flaw. You didn't do it wrong. You're allowed to just feel disappointed. Isn't your fault. And so to open ourselves up to the range of feelings and how they make us feel, allow us to tolerate the human emotional experience, have more emotional intelligence and be able to navigate food, not just as an emotional band-aid. Because when we can't modulate our emotions, when our feelings are all feel like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable, I can't bear it. Food is a great tool. It may not make us feel so good in the long run, but it works. It really works. It's like, let me turn down the volume on any feeling, on any rage, sadness, anything. I just get to go numb or, I don't go numb, but I go into self-hate and that's familiar. Mm -hmm. Oh, see, I ate that thing. I feel bad about myself. It's not comfortable, but we've been there so many times that it's like, oh yeah, I know that thing. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I I've done that where, yeah, I turned the volume down with food and then later on the self hate and like, Oh man, you said you weren't going to eat, you know, that many cookies, you know, or you said you weren't going to do this. And then look, what did you do? Yes. Yeah. And so to be the place we want to start with that with, so actually there's a, a poem if, uh, if I may. Yes. Um, so I write body poems and I write them because um, I feel like we need a different conversation with our body um, and how we talk about it. So this poem, give me one second to find it. Do do. Here we go. It's called a poem for anyone who's ever eaten their feelings. And then we can unpack it a little because there's so much of what we're talking about in this poem. So a poem for anyone who's ever eaten their feelings. I like to eat my feelings. Say it. Say it like it's a fact. No angst, no guilt, no shame. No, I shouldn't eat emotionally. It's not a question. It's not how do I stop myself from eating my feelings? It's not how do I stop reaching for the flavor that soothes? It's just the truth. I like to eat my feelings, full stop. Don't add, I shouldn't because then I'll eat too much. Then I'll eat the carbs, the brownies, the all you can eat buffet. Just feel this. I like to eat my feelings. I like to eat because it brings me comfort. It turns down the volume on intensity, on sad, mad, and alone. When I say I like to eat my feelings, I mean I'm hungry for comfort, for some sweetness, for a break. Embrace this. Notice the challenge of being in your body with your feelings. Acknowledge and appreciate how food can be self-care. I like to eat my feelings. When you say this, you know that you are not alone. We all eat emotionally. We're emotional beings. We eat food and have feelings about our food. We have feelings about having eaten our food. When we own it, we are able to eat the food and the food no longer eats us. We're able to choose food and the food doesn't choose us. We're able to feel our feelings and the feelings no longer consume us. When we own it, we make space to be in an authentic relationship with ourselves. Mm. Mm. Owning the eating of emotions Mm -hmm. is something I think that's huge and and not letting it eat us, of course. Let's Mm -hmm. unpack that for a minute because I think for a lot of women, some of the hormone imbalances that I see are related to cortisol that gets kicked off after eating something and then having all that remorse, regret, judgment, mm-hmm. you name it. Yeah. And what you're talking about, I think we jumped into this last time, this mm-hmm. connection between our food and our nervous system, mm-hmm. right? And, and women are like, well, I'm, I'm just eating my feelings. But the hate that happens after we ate our feelings actually gets in the way of us being able to digest, metabolize, feel even, feel relaxed, because the way we talk to ourselves sends us into sympathetic nervous system activation. That's that fight or flight. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so we think, oh, you know, I'll be critical of myself and that'll put me back on track. Right. Let me give myself a hard time and that will put me on the straight and narrow and keep me like, you know, doing the right thing. And it's totally the opposite. Totally the opposite, that that negative conversation with ourselves actually disrupts our hormone balance. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Which, yeah, yeah, which which I see, I mean, and, and really I wanted to kind of talk about hormone balance and, and how it kind of relates to feeling at home in your body, because I, I feel like there's such, especially right now, I keep seeing women coming to me saying, Doc, I've tried everything. And I can't get the weight to come off. I've been tested for everything. The weight can't, you know, we've tried semaglutide, like went as far as injections, right? And and trying to balance my blood sugar and I and I can't get the weight off. And and I have to go back to, okay, what is going on for you? Like what needs to happen for you to feel home and comfortable yeah. in your body? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, this past weekend, my sister-in-law was here. And um, it took her, um, I go and do a, a kind of movement called gyrotonics. And it's very gentle. It's very deep core work. Um, it really, um, I'm finding that at my age, I really need alignment work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this work is. So she went with us just as a one time, just to try it because she was here for the weekend and we went and on the way back, she was like, wow, that's something I, I need. I want to do this more. And I said, so, you know, what's been your history with movement? She said, well, I was very much into CrossFit. And she said, um, and I did it for several years, but I was exhausted. And uh, it really wrecked my hormones balance she said because every time I left she said I was like push 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 go 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 cortisol coursing through my veins and then I would crash and then I would sort of spend all week like okay I did this amazing workout but now I have to gear myself up for it Mm -hmm. and I said to her she said and finally I was like you know what this is not working for me and I said it's so powerful that you realize that and stepped away and stepped into gentler movement that supported your overall and systemic well-being because so many women I talk to are like okay you know I'm turning 50 I'm turning 60 I'm gonna do this marathon I'm gonna push 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 my body because I want it to be this specific shape and I want it and when I get to that shape then I will be comfortable in my body right that that's that conditional relationship with our body If I do this, then I get to be at home in my body, which is not true at all. But so important for us to be in that place of like, wait a second, what's really supporting my body, right? Like my sister-in-law, she was like, well, this is going to make me strong. And she was like, yes, but this is tearing down the rest of me. Hmm. So how do we come back to that place of feeling like what is truly nourishing me and how do I create a relationship with my body that is one of allyship, one of partnership. It's not an adversarial relationship because fundamentally the work that I do, this body piece work is about creating a relationship with your body that feels like we're on the same side, which is not at all what we were brought up with. We were brought up with, here's your body, you do something 
to it, to make it conform. Mm -hmm. But our body's first of all, not an it, it's not an inanimate object. So if we give her a pronoun, say, let's say her, Mm -hmm. who wants to be in an aggressive relationship with her? Because it just doesn't work. It doesn't feel good. That's true. That's true. And I mean, having done CrossFit myself and and getting that like push, 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 go harder, go faster. And if you're competitive, now you got these 20 year olds in your class with you Mm -hmm. and you're trying to go as fast as them and looking at their bodies and being like, I want to go back to that. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Janine, what you just said is really important. I want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a term that I coined called being body current. Mm-hmm. And that is, this is my current body. I am not going back to anything. I am not going back to when I was 15, to when I was 18, to when I was 30. Whatever the age is that you think, oh, when I was this, this was good. We're just not. And nor are we living in the wedding that's going to happen in a few months. We're not there either, right? Mm-hmm. So many, I call it diet math. I'm actually working on a poem about that right now. It's called diet math, right? If the wedding is in three months, then that's uh, 12 weeks. So in 12 weeks, I could lose X amount of weight. If I eat X amount of calories, right? This is diet math. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many, many women are experts at diet math. Mm-hmm. And diet math really erodes the soul because it takes us out of being again that ally, that connection, being present with our body right now and moves us into this future body, which doesn't exist and a past body, which doesn't exist. And so we're not present with, hey body, what do you need right now? What would be most nourishing right now? Are you hungry right now? Are you having a feeling right now? Are you sad right now? Are you angry right now? What is happening now being present. And what do we want from people who were in wonderful relationships? What do we want the most is let's have them be present with us now, right? Where are you at? What's happening? (laughs) That's what's meaningful. And same holds true in our relationship with our body. I like the word, what's happening now. That was what really got me going is taking the time to ask myself, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling right now? And really deducing, like, am I really hungry or am I, do I need a break? Do I need water? Do I need yes. a hug? You know, what do I need? It was yes. fascinating to learn that most of the time I wasn't really hungry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wasn't about food. It was about taking a break more often than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're talking about is interceptive awareness. So interceptive awareness, we have proprioceptive awareness. Most people know what that is. That's like our ability to walk through a doorway without crashing into the sides or through a crowded restaurant, being able to weave through tables and chairs. That's proprioceptive awareness. Where am I in relation to the things around me? Interceptive awareness is what is happening inside of me. Mm -hmm. Many of us have not do not have strong interceptive awareness because what we were taught is when, and I'm sure you've done it too. You ask somebody, how are you? And they'll tell you how their partner is and how their pet is and how their parents are and how their coworkers are. And then, Oh, me, uh, I'm fine. Right. Interceptive awareness. We're not trained into that, especially women. 
So to come into that place of what do I feel mm-hmm. inside of me, which requires us to learn the language of our body, which is sensation, right? Mm-hmm. And sensation is not just pain or pleasure. Sensation is also anger, sadness, fullness, hunger, right? Anxiety. It's all those things. So when we can ask ourselves that question, what do I feel right now? Ah, now we're turning on that interceptive awareness. We're connecting with ourselves present tense. And then we can actually be in allyship, partnership. Oh, what's going on right now? Well, actually, I'm feeling pretty, you know, wound up. Oh, really? Tell me more. Well, I just feel a little pressured. I've got 10 million things on my to-do list and I'm already in the future of feeling like I am not enough and I haven't done enough and okay. (sighs) So what do you feel right now? Oh, I feel tight in my tummy. Okay, can we breathe? What's real right now? What needs to happen in this moment? Then we're back into the present supporting ourselves. Because if we're not, if we're in that wound up, I'm so wound up, I need a cookie, I need ice cream, I need anything to soothe me. (sighs) Finally, I feel better, but now I'm criticizing myself. Yep. It's it's a repetitive cycle that I feel like once you can slow yourself down, it's interesting to see what your body actually says to you. Absolutely. It is. Our body has incredible wisdom. Our body knows exactly what she needs or close. You know, she might not be dead on, right? Sometimes I'll stand in front of the fridge. I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm like, uh, I don't know. What do I want to eat? Uh, um, something crunchy. Okay. <laughs> let's go crunchy. Right. Like it may not be exactly, I want nuts. I want you know, whatever. But if we listen in and slow down and ask, oh, and in the beginning, it might need to be multiple choice. Are you hungry? I don't know. Well, what do you feel in your stomach? What do you feel in your head? Because hunger does not always show up as grumbling tummy for everybody. Sometimes it's I'm feeling lightheaded. Sometimes it's, I'm, I have no focus anymore. Sometimes I'm, I'm irritable. Sometimes it is, I'm growling tummy. Sometimes it's something super tired, mm-hmm. right? It depends. So, okay, am I hungry? I don't know. What, do, what am I noticing? Right? We have to be in this practice. And it is. Body peace is a practice. Listening to our body is a practice. It's not, it's different than great. You're going to go on this diet and in seven days, you're going to lose seven pounds. And then great. You get the gold star and you have arrived. That's not an actual relationship with our body. It's not a relationship with anybody, right? Anybody who's a kid, a parent, a sibling knows or a partner knows that real relationships are a practice of connection over and over process of returning a process of curiosity. And that's the relationship. That's the practice we're in, in terms of listening to our body so that we can be a better partner, a better ally 
for what our body needs instead of overriding her messages and being like, la, 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 I can't hear you. I, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, you have a feeling, I don't want to deal with it. Here's some food or you're tired. doesn't matter. Here's some coffee or, you know, what, or whatever it is, you know, you're anxious. Here's some ice cream. Like <laughs> that's not an actual listening relationship. And it's not that ice cream or coffee or any of those things have a moral judgment or they're bad. It's just, is that what you truly need? Yeah. I I think it's interesting because that you mentioned practice. And I think that's where a lot of people maybe don't connect it because a lot of us are all and done. Like why, why can't we just learn ourselves and be done with it? Why can't I just learn myself and be comfortable in my body and and be done in two weeks? You know, Oh, let's, let's talk about the practice of this. Cause I, I know that I am just in the beginning stages of really understanding the practice and it's been months since we last talked. So let's talk about practicing. (laughs) Yes. So this concept of practice is so important. And the best way to think about it is the way that yoga teachers talk about it, right? You get on the mat and it's not like it's a straight line that every day you get incrementally better, right? Yoga teachers talk about you get on the mat and who you are on the mat on any given day is different. And Mm -hmm. the practice is about responding to who's on the mat today, right? Mm -hmm. It may be super energizer bunny who's all about, you know, flow yoga. And then another day it might be like misrestorative, right? Who's on the mat? So the practice is not a straight line. It's an engagement over and over and over of listening, of honoring, and really of moving ourselves into deeper and deeper body awareness so that we can be in that place of body allyship. Mm-hmm. Because that's what actually creates the sense of body peace is when we're in a listening. And so the practice is over and over, wait, so what's going on? Wait, what do I feel? And and it means, so when you sit down to eat, it's not just I'm eat, 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 eat. Okay, now I'm too full. The practice is, oh, oh, I forgot that I was even eating. Wait, okay, I'm eating. Yeah, okay, I'm eating. What does this taste like? It's interrupting ourselves in all the automated places to bring a conversation, to bring curiosity. And it's a, pra- it's a slow practice. It requires a lot of patience and we all want the quick fix. Me too. Like I would love to have the quick fix, mm-hmm. but that's not sustainable, right? Every quick fix I've tried and I have tried many of them, they all fail, right? And the statistics in terms of dieting is 95% of people who go on diets gain their weight back, if not more in two to five years. It's not sustainable, So if we're going for long-term, if we're going for a sense of relationship with our body, while we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and if we're lucky into our hundreds, what we want is a relationship with our body where we're like, "Hmm, what do you need today? What do you need right now? And that's the practice. And what what really is the foundation of that practice is self-compassion. Because sometimes our body's going to show up where you're like, really? Like, this is it? This is all the energy you got from me today? 
or like, oh, you know, I was really hoping to like, I don't know, fit into that teeny tiny dress I had from when I was in the high school. And I don't, oh, that's a bummer, right? There's lots of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. how do we be in the practice of kindness with ourselves? Oh, this is where I'm at today. This is my body. This is what needs support. That practice is, is, it's a beautiful process. And I think for a lot of people, it's somewhat hard to listen to and go, what, like, I'm actually really going to practice being comfortable in my body. What if I've never, ever felt comfortable in my body as long as I can remember? Yeah. And and I get it, guys. I you, you might be listening to this, and I thought it too. Like I was like, "How is it possible?" Yeah, and I, and I thought it too. And one of the because I was always like, and I tried. You know, I tried for years. I'm gonna look look in the mirror and say, "I love you, body," because there's gonna be a switch, and one day I will. And that's not how it works. It's not an I do affirmations, and suddenly all the years of conditioning that my body is not okay is gonna change. The practice is kindness. And there's also a practice that weaves in that as well, which is unlearning, mm-hmm. unlearning our societal expectations, right? If we're still believing that the only acceptable body is one that looks like Jennifer Lopez, then we've got a problem, right? Because we don't all have trainers for every single day and we don't all have people cooking our food for us. And we don't, you know, like that's just not regular life. Many of us are dealing with health issues. Many of us are having very busy lives and working one, two, three jobs. Like there, we have full lives that engage us where our body is not our project and we don't want our body to be our project, Mm -hmm. right? Jennifer Lopez, that's her brand. That is her project. (laughs) That is her moneymaker, right? (laughs) But then we compare ourselves and go, oh, we should look like that in order to be acceptable, in order Mm -hmm. to be, you know, lovable, in order to feel at home in our body. And that's not true. So there's a lot of unlearning that we need to do that we where we've been conditioned by our culture to believe that there's only one acceptable way that a woman's body should be and that is small and super buff and that's it if you don't have that well you better keep working on your body and apologizing for it ah no it's a waste of time there's so many women i've talked to that said oh my god the amount of time i have spent obsessing about my body and my food, I could have, you know, figured out how to feed an entire village in Africa. Like, really? And and I get that. Like, I totally relate. There was a time in my life where I was like, I'm so bored with this conversation. There are more important things for me to do. I believe in our previous podcast, there was something about a PhD in macros um, you were mentioning. (laughs) I, and I laugh because I mean, I've spent, you know, a lot of my time and and patients are often blown away when they're, they're like, you know, well, how many tortilla chips can I eat? I'm like, well, technically it's one ounce, there's 12 and that's around this many calories, you know? And they're like, like, yeah, that's what is stored in the depths of, of this, this little brain here, which is like, oh my goodness, you know? Yes. 
Yes. So if our relationship wasn't based on our brain, but rather based on our lived experience, our embodied experience, it takes us to a place of enjoyment, pleasure, right? Feeling more vibrant because we're not having a management model, a top down, right? Okay, okay, body, this is your brain speaking. This is how it's gonna go. You're allowed to eat this and that only, and then that's it. And there, and then you'll be acceptable. First of all, that's not very fun. Second of all, it's not sustainable. And third, we have more important things to do with our brain. And fourth, our body has more wisdom around what she needs than our brain. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that we fire the part of us that knows like, yeah, vegetable would be a good thing to eat in a day. That would be handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably good for digestion and getting some vitamins. It's not like we fire our intelligence and our knowing, but we don't let her be the tyrannical boss of the operation. Um, we want to get that message. Like if I've had a day where it's like, I don't know, I get to evening and I'm like, yeah, veg- my body's like, I, I need a, I need something raw vegetable and matter. Like my body will tell me, mm-hmm. take some time to cue back into what our bodies need, but it is absolutely possible. I believe it. I believe it. I'm definitely, you know, starting to see the process. And, and I think one of the big things that, I had as a question in my head, and maybe some other folks have questions too, is when you start to reach feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. in your body, what does it actually feel like in the first place? Like, how do you, like, what does feeling at home in your body feel like? And, and I'm starting to get some ideas, but I want to hear like kind of how you describe it to folks and, and what kind of things they might be experiencing feeling when they're like, yeah, I feel at home in this place. So um, Janine, first of all, that's like one of my very, very favorite questions, because often I'm talking about the pain, Mm -hmm. right, of what it feels like to not feel at home in our body and to talk about the actual pleasure of being at home in our body, feeling relaxed. We have more access to our energy because we're not wasting our, oh my gosh, what did I do? What should I do? We have more access to our sensuality because as soon as we're listening, to sensation oh then there's a lot of sensations to be listened to which opens the door to sensuality which also opens the door to sexuality which is Mm -hmm. fun Mm -hmm. right and many women are like no no that door that ship is sailed that door is closed but often because we've decided to live from the neck up right to come back into our body also being at home in our body means not feeling like, oh, I did it wrong all the time. It feels like, yeah, I was hungry. I ate. Congratulations. Moving on. There's more energy to focus on what is important to us. And we get to enjoy food more because it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, I can't have any, you know, dessert because if I have it, I'll eat all of it. And then I will feel terrible about myself. We feel at home with our body and we're listening. Great. I'd like a little dessert. I had some. That was delicious. Moving on. Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. Those moments of eating those things that we might have considered forbidden food in the past, first of all, don't become deal breakers with our relationship with our body. They don't become ammunition for shame with our body. They become part of life's pleasures. Mm -hmm. And they don't become, food doesn't become a way to punish ourselves. And our conversation with ourselves is supportive. Now, when that happens, when our internal conversation with ourselves becomes more supportive, well, then we get to do all sorts of cool things. I had a client who she did a lot of deep work together. Um, we worked individually and she was working in a corporate environment. And she was like, you know what? I have spent years obsessing about how, what my body looked like and what I ate. And that was taking up all my time. And then I would go to work and just do the job. But my focus was like, I got to get this body together. And once this body stuff was no longer the main, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong. I ate the wrong thing. Let me start the diet tomorrow. She said, then I was like, oh, well, where do I want to go professionally? And she went and got an advanced degree at a fancy university. She got a huge promotion. She gets up in front of people. She's more visible. She's got a big job. Like, she's like, oh my gosh, like I got myself back. Or I don't love that term. I got myself back, but she's like, I got myself for the first time, really. Like I claimed my full power. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really believe is women on this planet have a lot of important things to do. Being obsessed about your food and body is not one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, and when you think about it, like you're like, oh my God. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're totally right when you think about it. I don't think anyone, like I wish that you were around when I was like 10 years old in, in my health classes, you know, and you, saying being obsessed about your food is, you know, not going to move you forward in life. It's not, you know, it's going to hold you back. And it's like, dang, where's that? Where's that programming? Um, yes. At? I wish I was there when I was 10 years old. There were, there was none of that messaging, right? The messaging was, oh, her body is better. Mm -hmm. Right. By the time I was 15, I was reading 17 magazine, comparing myself to every single woman in there, looking at every diet that they had going. Right. By the time I was 15, I had tried grapefruit diets and Scarsdale diet, which was like the precursor to Atkins or keto or something like that. You know, there was a million things I had tried by the time I was 15. By the time I was 16, I was already like, no, this is, I'm a problem. Mm -hmm. This body is not okay because everybody else can wear low slung jeans, but no, not me. So I better fix this body. Do you, do you find in the women that you work with that their daughters or granddaughters start to clue in a little, or they start to oh teach my them? Gosh. <laughs> totally. Literally there's uh, a woman just, and I published it on my social media, um, uh, comment from one of my clients and I just I texted her last week and I was like can I share this on social media she said absolutely because she said one of the most powerful things that this body piece work has done has changed my daughter's relationship with her body and I see it already impacting her daughter's relationship with her body she said I changed the cycle of body hate I've ended I've stopped the cycle of body hate 
And even when I'm working with women who are grandmothers and they're like, well, you know, I don't have kids. They're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing how many times I can interrupt my five-year-old granddaughter, my 10-year-old granddaughter and say, your body is just perfect. Stop listening to that. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> right. And she said, and I can watch her go, wait, my, this role model of mine is like saying, I'm just fine. Thank you. And it does, it changes the future. And that's what we want, right? Naomi Wolf, uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but one of her famous quotes is that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, is that women who are anxious about their bodies become a controllable population. They don't become a powerful population, right? Because, oh, I'm not good enough to be loud. I'm not good enough to say what I feel and think because my body's not okay. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a huge takeaway too from our previous podcast was the whole concept of how much has society taken women and twisted us a little bit um not a little bit a lot a lot yeah. and and not a little bit that is a, that is a gross understatement that is they've twisted us a lot to yes to be beat down basically by our own doing yes that. and compare ourselves to one another instead of lifting each other up and and accepting and embracing and supporting body diversity Right. We've gotten much better in certain ways as a culture in terms of saying, yes, we are different. We are a diverse population of humans. But women, no, no, still, you should look just thin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's it's crazy. And and I definitely since we talked last too, I was like, we, we've got to share this with younger, you know, and then yeah. obviously my platform is work on the older folks to kind of. Yeah. work on the whole family as, yeah. as a whole. Do you have in your body peace program, do you have like daughters and mothers or do you have some groups or of, of that nature? Tell, tell us a little bit because I would like to know more about your body peace program and, and kind of segueing into that a little bit for folks. That yeah. A little bit. So my group work tends to be with women over 40, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Um, and there's different groups that I have. So I have a compassionate eating course that's coming up fall 2023. I have body peacekeepers. That's a year long, really deep dive for women who really want to work in a small group and really make a forever change in their relationship with their body. Um, and so those are so the two, and I have some smaller programs, body listening lab and um, body peace starter kit. So there's some, programs for women who are ready to either dive deep or start the journey where I've worked with younger women is in my individual practice. Mm -hmm. So I have a small private practice that is one-on-one -on -one, and that's often because the groups tend to be women 40 and up the younger women come and will see me privately and as well as older women too, but it's, um, I don't at this point have groups for younger women because I think that my, the women that I work with have sort of gotten older with me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. when I was had young kids, that was my practice as women with young kids and really dealing with what that meant to be so busy and so engaged and trying to raise another generation without all this diet BS. Mm-hmm. And as I've aged, really diving into how do we navigate feeling at home in our body for the duration? How do we create this relationship? long-term that's sustainable because it's really important. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, there's two times in a woman's life. This comes out of Margot Main's research, two times in our life where women are more susceptible to disordered eating and eating disorder. And one is moving into fertility and one is moving out of fertility, right? So teenage years, we're moving into fertility and our body changes dramatically because of hormones. And our society says, no, no. Oh, you've gained weight. Oh, that's bad. Right? So you see a lot of anorexia. You see a lot of bulimia then. You see a lot of eating disorders get kicked up. And then you see it on the flip side. Women going into perimenopause menopause, and going, oh my gosh, my body's changing again. Because these are huge hormonal shifts that are part natural part of being a woman. But our society says, no, no, no aging for you. No body changing no changing shape you need to whip yourself into shape and dial the timeline back Mm -hmm. that's not possible and so again what shows up is disordered eating disordered exercising right being very aggressive with our body super critical and so it's important both that you and i are addressing this age range of women because it's we're vulnerable And our society doesn't talk about it, right? right? We don't talk about aging. We don't talk about these bodies, the ways that our bodies change in a natural way and how we can best support ourselves. It's true. It's true. I mean, it's, it's starting to come more, but there's still, I find in a way, if you look at social media and we see what's popular, let's put it this way. The stuff that's popular still is the, the thin Let's put it this way, over-exercising, as I would call it, females showing up and, and doing their HIIT workouts and talking about weight and things. And it, and it bothers me, yep. you know, to see that over and over and over again. Still. Yeah. Still. still. Absolutely. It is. It's a real. It's heartbreaking, really. Right. I, like, I always want to interrupt those conversations. I don't. But I always want to interrupt and go, don't you have more important things to talk about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, is this really your identity? Is this the most important thing you can think to put your energy on? You know, I, I, um, I love languages and I'm currently learning a language and taking classes twice a week, eight o'clock in the morning. Like I've mm-hmm. gotten serious about it. And as I was diving into this language, this recent language, I was like, how many languages could I have learned if I didn't learn the language of Weight Watchers, of Scarsdale's, of macros, of my, right? How many other languages could I have learned by now? But instead, I learned the language of dieting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The waste. Yeah. And yeah. it's a cultural, it's a cultural epidemic, really, that women are told the most important thing you can do is manage your body. Really the most important thing you can do is 
learn how to be in relationship with your body so that you are a, a support, you are nourishing, you're in a, an allied relationship with yourself. I know we talked a lot about the relationship with your body on our first podcast, but I think it's good to revisit it because the relationship we have, I mean, like you said, wasting time, no one wants to waste time per se. And, and no one, you know, we all want to be moving forward, but I do like how you pose that in terms of how we're really, you know, we could have learned another language. We could have learned I don't know, you know, think about your bucket list. I, I think more, I just yes. want women to think about it. <laughs> like, Yes. What do you really want to do, right? Even think about it short term. If you have one month in front of you, would you rather spend it obsessing about your food and body? Or would you like to be doing something that really nourishes your soul? whether it's being out in nature more, whether it's writing more, whether it's being with friends, whether it's diving into something that's professionally, you know, exciting, right? Mm -hmm. the, the way that our culture gets us is if you obsess, right? If you go into the next 30-day food challenge, right? Then you will get, right? Then the prize is thinness, but the reality is, is that is not a game that actually ever works. It doesn't last, right? So tons and tons of research. Diets are not sustainable because we're, it's a setup for deprivation, right? Oh, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat this. Well, as soon as we set up a system of deprivation for ourselves, our inner rebel our own human desire for agency, right? Is gonna show up and go, no, no, you're not the boss of me, this whatever diet, I'm not doing that. And we push back, it's mm -hmm. human nature. We don't want to be controlled. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be like, oh yeah, okay. That system, that's not going to work. As much as the, you know, copywriting is fantastic and says, this is just a lifestyle change. This is not a diet. You will not be deprived. Just notice what happens as soon as you think like, oh, I'm going to make a change, right? What happens? And I watched it in myself. I'm going away with some lovely girlfriends of mine. They happen to live in small bodies. And I was like, I started doing diet math. I was like, oh, I'm going to see them in a few weeks. And my brain went to, oh, maybe I should. And I was like, are you kidding me? Seriously? After all these years, this, this is what my brain is doing right now? I was like, no, 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 no. And so I was like, oh, you want to get into a deprivation. Maybe if you stop eating the blah that you love so much. And I was like, no. And so what's the practice there? The practice is what would most nourish me? How can I best nourish myself? right now and the next day, right? What am I, and I really asked myself, what is most nourishing right now? Because I was looking for some way to control because maybe magically, this is the magical thinking of dieting, right? In magic, I will be not the biggest person in that room in three weeks. That's not gonna happen, first of all. I've known these women for over 30 years. I have always been bigger than them. They have small bodies. I do not have the smallest body. So that's the reality. But there gets, I get scared. Uh-oh, am I lovable? 
So then I have to come back to, you know what? Totally lovable. These people care about you. You've been friends forever. What is nourishing you right now? Right. And the answer I came up with is right now, you know, the weather's getting gorgeous. I live close to Walden Pond. I swim this. What's going to nourish you? Go swimming. You want to support yourself. You want to feel great in three weeks. Go to Walden Pond. Have a swim. Go to sleep a little earlier. You'll feel great. Right. Come back to how can I be a good partner to myself? Mm -hmm. I think what you mentioned right there is, is huge because I think a lot of us, you know, whether it's a class reunion, whether it's, you know, like you said, a vacation with friends, maybe mm -hmm. seeing some folks that you haven't seen for a while. It's 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 a thought that goes through your head. I don't know percentages on women, but I'm guessing it's probably pretty high. Um, yep. <laughs> based Very on those high. things. I know for my, you know, thought process, I definitely, if I'm going to an event or I'm going to meet some new folks for business stuff, I'm always like, all right, how many weeks do I have? All right. Mm -hmm. So let's That's the diet map. Yeah. Let's cut this out. Let's do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. easy. It's really, so the practice there, right? Everything. What's my practice of kindness? What's my self-compassionate practice? What's my body peace practice? So the practice there is, first of all, name it. Oh, there it is. There's the diet math. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm doing diet math. There it is again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Compassionately. Not, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm doing diet math again. That is not that helpful, right? Because then we're, again, right? We're just in an adversarial relationship. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Diet math. Yeah. Well, a lot of women do this, right? You're not alone. A big practice in self-compassion is this is a human experience. And unfortunately, this diet math is a human experience. Oh, there's the diet math, right? So that's the first part of the practice. The next part of that practice is, oh, okay. So there's a little anxiety around here. Let's name the feeling underneath, right? Just like, oh, I'm afraid of being the largest person in that room. Oh, what's, there's a feeling underneath that. I'm doing diet math because there's a feeling. So that's the second part of the practice. Name it and then look underneath the hood. What's the feeling? Okay. Then underneath that, oh, so what do I need? What's my need? How can I nourish myself? Right? So it's a three-step process. Name whatever's going on. Often the diet math then what's the feeling under the hood of that? Oh, I'm anxious. I'm scared. I'm angry, whatever the heck it is, right? And then what do I need? What would support me? And then we're in an allyship. And that's our practice over and over and over is to come back to that place of connection, allyship, feeling like we're in a collaborative relationship with our body, not a war. That's what body peace is. Makes sense. I think a lot of folks, including myself right now, might be like, okay, Nina, so what what was your need? And when you looked under the hood and you had that feeling for for you know meeting up with your friends, what, yeah. what did you find under the hood and what was the yeah. need? Yeah. Yeah. So I get scared that they're not gonna love me as much because I'm bigger. And it's happened. Like this pattern has happened. I go out, go away with them every once in a while. So the last time. It happened. I was like, you know what? If I'm still feeling it when I walk in the door, I'm naming it. So I walked in the door and I was like, oh, 
I've been so in my head around not my body not being good enough. And they just looked at me with such kindness and said, oh yeah, doesn't that happen? And we moved on, right? Like, hello, welcome to being a human being. Welcome to being a woman where we compare, right? You know, it happens to us all and moving on, right? That we're not bad that we have it. We just work with it, right? Oh, honey, right? That's my mm-hmm. one of my friends. That's her line. Oh, honey, that happens, right? And the oh, honey is always the most compassionate. Oh, honey, mm-hmm. right? I've been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's good to hear kind of it coming from you as well. Because I think, you know, still there is that thought process. And that that's why I share my story too, is because we do, I mean, I still have women think that, you know, we're all, because we're teaching this, that we have it perfectly set and we don't have <laughs> these feelings anymore. And we are, you know, we got it all dialed in. And and I want people to really understand that it's, it's a practice. It is a it, practice. It is a practice. And there's a reason I do this work. It's because it was my work. Right. And it still is my work. Right. I'm still and hopefully until the day that I die, I will be in a practice of relationship with myself so that I can continue to nourish and support myself so that I can live the most vibrant, engaged life that I can. I mean, that's that's huge. And not miss out on things because we don't want to be missing it out because we're doing, you know, no math. Right. And the amount of women I talk to who are like, no, I didn't go to the event because I don't want to wear a bathing suit at the pool party, or I don't want to X because of this, or I didn't want to be in a picture. Mm. Painful. Mm. We deserve to show up in life fully. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's share with folks how they can show up in life fully and learn from you where, where all the websites are, how to find you on Instagram, all of those things so that they can take a step over there and uh, not miss out anymore on life. Fantastic. So the best place to find me is my website, Body Peace with Nina, all one word, bodypeacewithnina.com. You can also look up ninamanelson.com, but that's a bit trickier to spell. So bodypeacewithnina.com works really well. Um, And on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the places, I am there as Nina Manelson. Um, And on my website, there is an actual journal that will support you in your practice of body peace. It's literally called practicing body peace. And in that journal are about 20 questions that will, that are questions that I would ask you about your relationship with your body or your food. If you were sitting with me, you know, over zoom, having a session and there's a few of my body poems in there. So it's a way to start engaging. How is this relationship going? Where did I learn this stuff? How would I describe this relationship that I have with my body? And starting to unpack the relationship you currently have so that you can create a relationship with your body that truly feels supportive and nourishing and respectful. Well, I can definitely test that it's possible. I downloaded your PDF. I took it to heart and started practicing it. And I'm feeling a lot better. And and that's mm. just one step at a time here, guys. So I definitely encourage you to reach out to Nina, take a look at what she's got there. And at least if nothing else, start with the PDF and please share with any women in your life. Because ultimately, this is what what I want folks to hear is, is sharing this information with with your friends, with your younger women in your life. Absolutely. Mm, absolutely. Brilliant. 
Well, Nina, thank you so much for coming back on. I appreciate it. Thanks for addition with me on all this stuff because I just I just felt called to have to share again. So thanks again totally. for coming on. Janine, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.